This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, we are going to answer all of the questions that you sent in this week on Twitter coming off the New York Jets' first winning streak of the 2019 season after they beat the Washington Redskins 34-17 to move their record to 3-7. and Got a really good wide range of questions about things related to this week against Oakland, uh, related to the rest of the season, uh, and also a mix of the usual draft and free agency stuff. Uh, Looking forward, so appreciate everybody who took the time to tweet those over. As a reminder, for this week's game against Oakland, if you are going out to MetLife Stadium, stop before at Secaucus Junction and check out the tailgate from our friends at Game Day Tailgate Experience. They're going to have bar, food, appearances by former players, uh, all types of different stuff going on for their tailgate party, which they also did earlier in the year for Jets-Cowboys. Uh, make sure to check it out. We'll tweet out all the links about how you can get information for your ticket and how to show up and what time everything starts. It's game day tailgate experience for the best pregame tailgate party for Jets vs. Raiders if you are headed out to the game this Sunday or even if you're just looking to hang out with some Jet fans prior to the game. Uh, so check out our Twitter, our Facebook, and our website, turnjets.com, for more information there. Before we jump to the questions, a reminder... Subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Any feedback is always greatly appreciated, along with those ratings. They help our searchability uh, and help our podcast continue to grow as we uh, work through the season here. Heading to, God, is it week 12? Three and seven? Yeah, week 12 already. It's crazy how fast the season has gone by. And uh, let's get into those questions. First question from uh, at Israel DMS7. If the Jets go 9-7 and seven and sneak into the playoffs, what is your initial reaction and should our opinion change on Adam Gase? Look, if the Jets win eight games in a row, which I believe they've never done in their franchise history, of course you could start to change your opinion on Adam Gase. I'm not, I'm not a crazy person. You go 9-7, and seven, that exceeds expectations of what the team was supposed to do this year, particularly with Sam Darnold missing some time early in the season. And winning eight games in a row is winning eight games in a row. It's a really, really hard and rare thing to do in this league, no matter who you're playing. So I understand Jet fans looking at the Oakland game and saying, hey, you know, if we could get this one, we're playing the 0-10 Bengals and then we're playing the Dolphins at home. That looks like a five-game winning streak before we get to go play Baltimore, who's arguably the best team in the league right now. And you get Pittsburgh at home, and you get Buffalo on the road. You know, To be clear, at Baltimore and at Buffalo are going to be very tough games where the Jets are likely double-digit underdogs. Uh, Pittsburgh, I think similar to Oakland, could be a, you know, a three-ish point favorite despite being on the road against the Jets. I think you just got to take it one game at a time, but... You have my word that if the Jets finish winning eight games in a row and go nine and seven, which sadly might not even actually be enough to make the playoffs with how bad their tiebreakers are right now, yes, I will have much more, many more kind things to say about Adam Gase because he will have 
really done something incredible by winning eight games in a row. And I think that would change the expectations for everything in 2020. I do not think they're going to win eight games in a row. I hope I'm wrong, but it's not, you know, what I'm anticipating. Um, Next question from Michael Sen, uh, 816. Your thoughts on Andrew Thomas for the Jets as a first round pick if they can't get Chase Young. Chase Young's looking like he's going to be a challenge to land now that the Jets have three wins under their belt and still have a game against Cincinnati. Uh, it looks now like the Jets will probably pick somewhere, surprise, surprise, in that you know 5 to 10-ish range, depending on how the rest of the season goes. And even though a lot of teams at the top of the draft are going to be quarterback hungry, uh, it seems unlikely that they'll be high enough to get a chance to get Chase Young. And if it ends up being Andrew Thomas or another one of the top offensive linemen, I don't think there's going to be a Jet fan alive who's going to be disappointed with that. I think Jet fans candidly want to see this team draft offense, unless it's a very unique situation with a guy like Young, and they want offensive line to protect Sam Darnold. It's just an overdue place for them to invest premium resources in, and you're going to be really hard-pressed to find anyone who's going to complain about the selection of a guy like Thomas uh, or any of the other top tackles that uh, are projected to go in that sort of 5-15 to range. Uh, next question from at Danny Wilson, uh, wants to basically talk about the Adams extension. There's been a lot of questions about this floating around. Uh, I think the New York post floated a five year, $75 million contract. It's interesting that there's so much talk about this right now. Adams is not, you know, a free agent after this season. He's in his third year. The jets have him under contract for a couple more years. So my short answer is they don't have to do anything right now. Uh, They don't need to get out over their skis and get ahead and give him a massive contract uh, because really they don't don't have the cap flexibility to do that right now. I think it is a dangerous situation from a roster construction standpoint in the three years left of Sam Darnold's rookie deal to have the highest paid safety in the NFL, the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL, and the third highest paid running back in the NFL, never mind paying off Tremaine Johnson's dead money next year. Uh, it's just going to make it very hard to make additions on the offensive line, uh, at edge rusher, at cornerback, and even at wide receiver to further support Darnold. So I'm not saying that Jamal Adams hasn't been great the past two weeks. He absolutely has. He's been the best player on the field, and he's been you know dominant, which makes it all that much more frustrating how he played against Jacksonville and Miami, candidly, because the Jets probably should have won those games, and they're 5-5 five and five instead of 3-7 and seven now. It's a whole different conversation, but... I understand the surge of excitement around what he did against the Giants in Washington because of how well he played. I just don't think you need to sprint out and give him a contract two years in advance. I think you keep him under his current deal. That keeps your options and flexibility open, and you work on addressing the rest of the roster, and you address it when you need to address it. Uh, You don't further constrict yourself from a cap standpoint. You have to think pragmatically, not emotionally, and I thoroughly understand Jet fans Loving everything that this guy brings to the franchise. Uh, he's been a bright spot in what's been a really ugly long time, really a particularly ugly few years. So I get it. I just don't think they need to sprint out and give him $75 million right this second. Uh, I think let's see how the season finishes out, see how the offseason starts to shake out, and then, uh, then you take it from there. Um, let's keep scrolling here. Uh, ton of Jamal Adams questions. We'll get back to a few more. 
Next question is from Bill Goodbub. What is going on with Quentin Williams? The third overall pick is barely playing, and no one is focused on the story. I feel like there was more upheaval over Polite than Quentin. I think, uh, look, the team's won two games in a row, and a handful of other defensive linemen are kind of jumping off the screen, most notably Nathan Shepard uh, and Foley Fayukasi, of all people. I think Quentin, through 10 games, has unquestionably been, been disappointing. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to spin it. You could say that he's doing dirty work and he's doing other stuff that's not showing up on the stat sheet. I'm sorry. I've been hearing the same thing over and over about Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, Leonard Williams. Quentin Williams is the third pick in the draft. Uh, when you're the third pick in the draft, you're expected to jump off the screen fairly frequently, as we've seen with uh, a lot of the other first-round rookies. I'm not saying Quinton has been a complete disaster, but I am saying he's been disappointing through 10 games. Now he's very young, uh, and he will get better uh, over time. Uh, is he going to prove out to be the best defensive player in this draft class? I don't think so. I think that's going to probably be Nick Bosa uh, by a wide margin. Uh, but can Quinton eventually develop into being a better version of what Leonard Williams and Sheldon Richardson were? Sure, I, I think that's definitely possible. But I think for right now, he simply is not as good as some of the other guys around him on the defensive line. Uh, at least over the past few weeks, he, he really hasn't been. I think he's still struggling with the strength at this level, and I think he needs to you know, further develop as a player and was not really the plug-and-play impact guy that some people thought he would ultimately be. Um, and it's been disappointing so far. Now, that could turn around. He could go out and have a big game against Oakland and a big game you know, against Cincinnati, and you feel a little better, but... I think it's more than fair to say that through 10 games, he's been disappointing and have to hope that uh, it improves down the stretch and he builds on it and has uh, a strong sophomore season. Uh, question from New Jet City. Which, if any, Jets free agents would you like to resign prior to the end of the season? Uh, I like Poole, Jenkins, and Beecham. Uh, that was within the question that was sent over. I don't know if the Jets need to resign anybody during the season. I, I kind of want to see how the rest of the season plays out. I understand a lot of this contract talk and thought after they win a couple games. You've you got to try to remember the context of the quality of the teams that they've beaten uh, before you overreact towards anything. I do think with how much work the offensive line needs, I don't think it's insane to keep each around for another year on a low-cost contract at all. Uh, Poole's been great this year, and I, I do think they'll find a way to bring him back next year. And Jenkins, I think, is definitely a second-contract player here. So I don't disagree with any of those guys. I think I think they'll all be back in some capacity in 2020. Uh, I don't know how much of a hurry I am to bring back pretty much anyone else in the offensive line outside of maybe Alex Lewis, who I think will be back, uh, as the Jets gave up some draft capital for him. I'm sure there's going to be a segment of Jet fans who want to bring Demarius Thomas back after what's been a pretty good year so far. I'd like to see them get younger and more dynamic at receiver, so I'm not really in a rush to bring him back. Uh, Robbie Anderson's situation is going to be really interesting. I love Robbie, uh, and I think he's not really being utilized to the best visibility in this offense, but it's really hard to see him coming back. He's just not all that involved in the Jets' offense right now. I know he's playing the most snaps week over week, but he's basically their third receiver. Jamison Crowder and Demarius Thomas are much more involved from a target perspective, uh, never mind Ryan Griffin and Le'Veon Bell. So really, Anderson's like their fifth option right now in the passing game. So how much are you going to pay him if this is going to be the same coaching staff next year? I kind of don't feel like he's going to be back, which is a bummer, because uh, I think all of us like watching him play, and he's an easy guy to root for. 
Uh, I just don't know if I'd bet on him being back uh, next year. Uh, question from Peter J. Dillard. What current offensive lineman do you think should come back next year, and what do you think of Adoga? I think Lewis and probably Beecham will be back next year. Adoga will be back. I just don't know if he's going to be a starter. I am not sold yet that he is a starter, basically, is what I see on him. I think right now he looks more like a you know, a sixth, seventh lineman, a guy who's maybe one of your top backups at tackle. I just think he, I'm not sure he has the strength to hold up week over week. He's had a couple okay moments this year. Very curious to see if he is playing, how he holds up against Oakland's defensive front, which has been really good uh, this year. And then later in the year, how he holds up against the more quality teams or or the more quality defenses, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, uh, and Baltimore. So that'll be a good test for him. Um, <laughs> question from Reg Mackworthy: What division winner would you rather play after we run the table and sneak in at nine and seven? I think again, like I, listen, I I love the I love the enthusiasm and the jumping right to nine and seven. The crazy part is, is that if the Jets go nine and seven this year, they actually still might not make the playoffs. Uh, I do feel like there's this like weird thought and assumption in the AFC that there's going to be like a seven and nine or eight and eight playoff team and. I don't really think that's the case. Buffalo has seven wins already. Uh, they still have uh, a couple easy games on their schedule. I believe they still have to play Cincinnati. Uh, they're still playing Denver this week. They get the Jets at home. Like Buffalo's probably going to win nine or ten games. Um, and they have a better division record than the Jets because they swept Miami and the Jets didn't. Um, and then even looking at Oakland, Oakland's six and four, if they handle business against the Jets, which they're favored to do, and even if they don't, the rest of their schedule is pretty accommodating, particularly with how the Chargers and Broncos have been this year. They're probably getting to nine or ten also. So that doesn't even factor in, you know, the Colts and the Texans and whoever doesn't win that race, or that the Titans also have five wins at this point too, and get Jacksonville this week, so it could very easily be at six and five. So I, I don't think even nine and seven would be enough, although it's crazy to even be talking about this. Uh, before we answer the rest of your questions, I want to remind you guys that this Sunday is Jets Raiders, so make sure that if you're going, you have your seat for the game with Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Every purchase is backfired by a one, backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Reward Loyalty Program today. And when it is time to buy, new users enter promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME for Vivid Seats for a discount of up to $100. So make sure to check that out if you are heading to Jets Raiders or maybe later in the year going to Jets Steelers or any of their other uh, remaining home games. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, next question is from Steve Ballou. 
What's the deal with Adam Gase and his treatment of the injured? Seems as though if you're injured, you're pretty much dead to him. Weird, particularly weird because Adam Gase always seems to have a ton of injured players on his team, and I, I don't know what the issue with that is, but it's happened reoccurring enough and at such a weird rate that there's something going on with how frequently players are hurt or how quickly they're sent to IR. I don't know. It's a weird situation. It's probably something that is worth digging into deeper in the offseason, depending on how the rest of this season goes. Uh, It's an interesting thing to watch. I mean, there's definitely been reoccurring issues with it. Uh, They're not getting talked about as much right now because the Jets have won a couple games in a row, and winning is generally a cure-all for all these things. But this issue will come back up again before the end of the year. I'm sure it will, and it will definitely be something that's talked about in the offseason. Good question uh, here from W.M. Miller Esquire. Obviously needs several new players on the offensive line. As far as Jonathan Harrison goes, how would you rate him as a guard opposed to a center? Uh, Will be hard to replace so much there. I don't know. I mean, from what I've seen in Harrison, he's predominantly played at center the recent years. He's been on the Jets, and he's been better than Ryan Khalil. He's been okay. Uh, Not great, not terrible. I don't think he's a long-term answer as a starter at center or guard. I don't mind having him as a backup, and I think the Jets have him under contract next year as a backup. So I think he'll be back, but back as a second stringer, uh, unless he's like absolutely dynamic down the stretch, which is probably unlikely because he really is who he is at this stage of his career. Um. Next question from Jesus Delapaz. If Greg Williams lands a head coach job in Washington, who do you think would be a suitable candidate to replace him? And are there any candidates that Gase might work with? Uh, it's interesting to hear Greg's name tossed around as a head coach candidate. I guess Washington, there, there's some previous history there. And look, I, I was not the biggest fan of the world of the Greg Williams hire, but he's been really good this year. There's no you know debating it or way to argue around that he's dealt with just as many injuries, if not more, than the offensive side of the football. And the Jets have been competitive on defense every single week, and obviously bigger challenges on the way when they play at Baltimore, um, and to a lesser extent when they go back up against a Miami team they didn't do a good job with last time. But he's been good this year, so I wouldn't be shocked if he got some head coach buzz, and if the Jets lost him. You know, Gase has been very open about wanting a head coach of the defense, and he didn't really have a previous working history with Greg Williams, so... I don't think necessarily this would be a thing where you look to his, you know, previous history and who he's worked with. I think you'd look for someone who has head coach experience, uh, someone who, you know, could be that quote unquote head coach of the defense, someone like a, I'm not saying this would be the guy, but it'll probably be someone like a Vance Joseph type or someone who has been a head coach before and can really just operate that way on that side uh, of the football. So something to monitor if the Jets you know, continue to play well on defense, and there's more than expected head coach openings. Uh, question from Tommy Keenan. Why did the Jets bring back Mosley versus the Pats when he wasn't 100%? Uh, it's a great question. It was very stupid. It was clear he was not healthy, and I, I hope the Jets don't make the same mistake a second time later in the year. I kind of don't know why Mosley is not IR at this point. Uh, it's just too much of an investment to risk it, in my perspective, so... You know, play it safe with this guy. You have $85 million invested in him. Let him really recover and get 100% healthy. Don't rush him back at 85% for a game if you're 5-8 and eight in you know, December or something like that. Uh, just like it didn't work out to rush him back against New England. It hurt Mosley long-term uh, for the rest of the season, and it didn't help the Jets in the field because he was a couple steps slow. Next question from uh, Josh McMillan. How do you explain the sudden effectiveness of Nathan Shepard? 
seems like Leonard Williams' departure may have given him an opportunity. I mean, look, while I understand the dip in competition the Jets have played the past few weeks, it is staggering to see what their sack numbers have been with and without Leonard Williams. Uh, you know, with Shepard, he's a guy who was suspended, you know, for an early part in the year and really showed nothing last year. So I think he's made a couple of explosive plays against bad offensive lines. And that's great to his credit. He's really good and disruptive and it's going to be interesting to see how sustainable that is for him down the stretch. But yeah, he, the short is he's getting more opportunities with Leonard Williams gone. And I think you see how kind of redundant Leonard Williams was and why the Jets didn't need to pay him long-term and why it was good to get draft picks for him because they, they moved on from him and they still have Nathan Shepard, Henry Anderson, Steve McClendon, Foley Thayukasi, Kyle Phillips, and Quentin Williams. And that's more than enough on the defensive line without Leonard Williams in there. Uh, so if Quentin Williams does pick it up, then your your situation even looks that much better. Um, and all those guys are going to continue to you know rev- rotate through and play a lot. Um, it's a, definitely a position of depth for the Jets, but that's not new news. They've had depth at the defensive line for shit. I mean, like forever, it feels like, for the entire duration of this nine-year drought. Uh, that's not the reason for the drought, but it is always interesting. A defensive line is what we always talk about. Uh, as that strength. Uh, next question from Ryan O'Boyle. I don't think Jet fans care at this point with regard to the draft status. Let the chips fall where they may. Biggest need is offensive line in the upcoming first round. And assume Douglas falls in love. What are you? Who are you looking for at that dreaded second round? Could be a player or a position. Yeah, I agree. Look, the draft chatter is going to go away until the Jets lose another game. Uh, if they lose to Oakland this week, you'll hear more of it again. Uh, although, again, they get Cincinnati the following week. I think. The fair operating assumption is that they're going to pick somewhere in the 5 to 12 range, probably. Looking at the rest of the schedule, it probably feels like this is a 5 or 6 win team. Uh, Not a 3 or 4 win team. Also, though, probably not a 7 or 8 win team. So, kind of roughly in that that middle space. I do think it's fair to expect they're going to go, try to go offensive line around 1, although we'll see how the board breaks. I... I look at the second round, and while I don't necessarily love going receiver that high, it's a very, very deep class at receiver, and I do wonder that after there's a run on some of those guys on day one, do the Jets look to really add what they consider a top-tier weapon for Sam Donald in round two uh, before going back to using their third-round picks on maybe more offensive linemen, corner, edge rusher. I'm sure corner will also be a consideration in the second round, uh, depending how the board breaks and who's available and how many more picks the Jets are able to potentially add this offseason. So I think receiver, just in general, not even involving the second round, is going to be a particularly interesting position to watch for the Jets this offseason in the draft, just with how much talent is going to be on the board and how they're going to really have a need there because you don't – I don't know if Robbie's going to be back. I probably would bet against it as of now. It's hard to count on anything from a new law next year. We don't know if he's going to keep playing football, never mind his you know situation with you know fighting with the team right now. Uh, I'm not counting on anything from Demarius Thomas for next year, so that really just leaves Jamison Crowder. Uh, so they're going to need to add some weapons on the outside uh, around him. So the draft and free agency, I think, are both going to be courses that they're going to choose to you know beef that stuff up. See if we could get one or two more questions in here. Uh, from Andrew Fitzgerald, besides offensive line, who are potential skill position players that could come to the Jets? You know, I, I think it's a good question. I think, look, it's very likely that they're 
bringing Le'Veon Bell back next year and whoever ends up backing up, whether it's Montgomery or Powell or, or Josh Adams, who they just added, I don't expect the Jets to be making any notable additions or running back this offseason in free agency. Tight end is kind of the same deal uh, because they're going to get Chris Herndon back healthy. I'm sure that with this coaching staff, they're going to try to bring Ryan Griffin back because he's had a good year uh, as a more of a number two to Herndon. And then Wesco will probably get another year. Uh, so it feels almost in a way that they're going to look at it and say, we're set at running back and tight end, which really just leaves, do they want to change the back of quarterback? Uh, or do they want to go Simeon again? Uh, and receiver, which we just talked about. And I think they're going to address receiver in the draft. Uh, but in free agency, I'm sure they'll look at another player or two. Um, you know, are there guys that Gase has previous experience with that he looks towards? I don't know if there's any massive names hitting the market. At receiver, there's certainly not going to be any traditional quote-unquote receiver ones. But I could see the Jets, you know, poking around for some secondary options to round out some other additions that they want to make in the NFL draft. I think receiver is kind of like the only focus spot, though. I just can't see them making another notable spend at running back or doing much at tight end outside of saying, all right, we're going to get Herman back. Let's bring Griffin back and we'll get year two of Wesco and that's going to be our unit. Uh, and that's ultimately what they end up rolling with. There's just too many other positions for them to focus on and spend at. Uh, da, da. Last question from Rakish. Two questions. Uh, why do Gay's teams sustain the amount of injuries they have, including the Jets and Dolphins? It seems to have far more than average. And what viable free agents can the Jets target and land? Look, I think... In the offseason, it merits a deeper dive as to like what's going on with all these injuries and what are the trends and how soon are people being put on IR and all that good stuff. Because I think, you know, I think at first glance, you look at the Jets' IR cap number and it's like, oh my God, like they have, you know, $46 million of cap space on IR. And it's like, how could any team overcome that? Really, you got to dig a little deeper because of that $46 million, like $30 million is Tremaine Johnson, who stinks and is probably the worst corner on the roster. So the Jets are better off without him playing. Uh, Ryan Khalil is like $10 million of that, and he probably should have been benched in like week three or four, and they've upgraded at center with Harrison. Uh, and Brian Winters as well is another big chunk of that, and they probably upgraded with Alex Lewis and Compton at guard. So they've kind of pushed certain underperforming players into that spot. Guys who, you know, definitely were banked up, but um, I don't know. It's an interesting thing that merits a deeper dive, and, you know, elsewhere for free agency. You know, we just talked through the offensive stuff. I think the Jets will be looking at some edge options. Shaq Barrett, Bud Dupree will be on the market. Could they finally go sign traditional edge? Uh, I think they'll probably look to add some people at corner as well. All the positions that we normally talk about, we're talking about last last offseason. Edge, corner, offensive line, receiver. Those are all going to be top priorities for the team to attack. Uh, and they're not going to have as much cap flexibility as they did last year. Uh, but they'll have the ability to move some things around and make some signings uh, because I don't know when the Jets' playoff expectation or mandate's going to come after they don't make it this year. I'm assuming it's going to kind of feel like next year since they're bringing Gase back, but you know, who the hell knows with this, with this ownership group. So we'll just take it one week at a time. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your questions. Uh, we will be back next week after the Jets play the Oakland Raiders to give you up for when they play the likely own 11 Cincinnati Bengals. Jets-Raiders is going to be a really interesting game. I think uh, it's a good chance for the Jets to show that they actually have turned a corner this year and their two wins are not just a result of playing a team that's probably going to finish 3-13 and in the Giants 
and a team who definitely looks like they're going to finish one and fifteen or two and fourteen in the Redskins. So Oakland six and four, they are in the driver's seat for one of the wild card spots right now. Uh, they have the look of a team who will be a playoff team. So beating them uh, as a three or four point underdog, which the Jets are, would be really impressive. Uh, you know, very similar to when they beat Dallas, which was you know impressive as well. Uh, so we'll see if the Jets could move to three a three-game winning streak and start to really change the narrative of their season. So join us next week, and uh, we'll dive into all that from there.